Hello, and welcome to Any Given Sunday. This is our weekly Dynasty podcast, in which we'll be discussing upcoming matchups, exciting things occurring, breaking down trades, discussing the draft, and anything else that we decide to. Every week, an owner of one of our Dynasty teams will join me on an interview, and we'll discuss anything from who they're playing that week or any major matchups, breaking down any controversial decisions, and of course, talking more trash than we probably should. This week, I was joined by Parker Pierce in our inaugural episode. We'll break down the draft, talk about who he thinks and who I think will win the championship this year. We'll be going through his three most underrated and three most overrated players moving into 2020, and some other stuff. Next week, we'll be joined by Justin Campbell. I hope you enjoy today's podcast, and I hope you tune in next week. Hey, okay, so um, this is our, I guess, first annual podcast video for any given Sunday Dynasty League. Uh, this is going to be a place where we're all going to take time. I'm going to interview all of you to talk about our league, uh, where we think things are going, players that we think are on the up and up or falling down. Uh, time to give some smack talk, some championship bets, all those kind of things. Uh, today, to start us off as our first inaugural video is Parker Pierce. For those of you who don't know Parker, Parker, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, goodness. Where to start? There's so many interesting things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as you already mentioned, my name's Parker. I am from southwest Missouri, you know, Branson, Springfield, Ozark area. Uh, went to school with Bishop at Fried Hardeman. Uh, I would go so far as to call him my best friend, so I've got that going for me. Um, interesting things about me. Um, well, I'm, I'm a football nut. I really like Harry Potter, uh, and I enjoy singing. So there's three, three interesting factoids about me. No long walks on the beach at night or anything like that, but there you go. <laughs> Well, I like it. I like it. Um, so right now you're, you're working at Freed and you are a minister where at again? I'm a youth minister at Christian Chapel Church of Christ. It's a little church out in the Natchitrace State Park. That's awesome. How long have you been there now? Um, we're going on three, four years full time now. So yeah, about that long. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, let's jump right into it today. Um, we just had our draft. Uh, at, when we're recording it now, it's only been a couple of days ago. By the time it's published, it may have been a little longer. Uh, what are your general takeaways from the draft? What are some thoughts you had about it? Uh, I thought our draft was, was very interesting. There were a couple of people like myself who really didn't have a draft. Uh, <laughs> I had to finagle around to, to get a, a pick in the first round, actually. I was pleased, by the way, that that played out though I did get a pick in the higher first round so that was nice um I was surprised by the amount of movement in the later rounds it felt like we had uh three or four Bill Belichick's wheeling and dealing to get those those last couple of late round picks I was surprised by that because um and maybe it's because I just don't understand a whole lot about the the incoming rookies what with COVID-19 and everything, my research slipped this year. So this is a rookie class that I don't know as much about other than, you know, the outlier names. But uh, I was surprised by the amount of movement in the later rounds. That's, that's for sure. 
Well, I'm not going to lie. I have a bone to pick with you. Um, I was sit- looking at trading up to get Cam Akers, who I believe to be the second best running back in the draft, even over Jonathan Taylor and others. Uh, but you set a premium on how to trade into a top five pick by your trading of Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, uh, yeah. From that point on, I had all these trades mocked up for like, I was going to get rid of like a wide receiver three and see if I could move some picks. And then you come out of the gate and are like, bang, Le'Veon. My brother-in-law is sitting on my patio with me as we're doing this draft. He's in our league. And he was like, Todd Gurley or nothing. <laughs> so you kind of set the bar really high for me. What was your thought about that move? Right. Um, well, I had, I had previously moved into the first round in a trade with you. You, you remember that one. Um, but I, I had my eye on Jonathan Taylor pretty much from the beginning. I wasn't picky between him and, uh, you know, Hilaire, who wound up going to the Chiefs, and uh, Akers. I was pretty high on Akers, too. I just felt like Jonathan Taylor, particularly where he ended up going. Uh, see, the reason that I was low on Le'Veon Bell, I traded for Le'Veon Bell last year, and I was really disappointed by the season that he had. And I don't think it was as much to do with him as it was to do with the line that he was running behind. And uh, New York really didn't do anything in the off season to change the way that I felt about uh, the way that I felt about about their offensive line. And so I did not feel like I don't feel like the Jets' offense is going to take you know any big steps forward. Uh, and I figured well, I'll package Le'Veon and this first rounder that I've got here and move up and take this rookie that I know for a fact is going to be running behind probably the best offensive line in the AFC, if not the entire NFL. Uh, you know, the Cowboys always have a pretty good offensive line, uh, but I'm, I'm very, very high on that Colts offensive line. And uh, with, you know, they've got a little bit of, of a question mark at quarterback so the running game continues to be a, a big way that they move the ball. And even with Marlon Mack there, uh, I feel like he's probably on his way out and Jonathan Taylor might take over the workhorse load there. So that was my thinking behind that trade. Uh, get rid of Le'Veon, who's in a very bad situation team-wise in the AFC East with the Jets, and pick up a running back that, while unproven, uh, is going to be running behind a very, very solid offensive line. I think, uh, I think your assessment there is fair. I think Jonathan Taylor, out of all the running backs in this draft, is at least has the um, prestige, uh, the look, uh, a feel about him, that he could be a legitimate uh, top starter. What's, uh, other than that, how did you think the draft went? Was there any interesting picks or things that stood out to you, um, trades or whatever? Uh, your father taking Keyshawn Vaughn when he did. That was surprising. Um, I feel like there was a quarterback that came out very early. Uh, I forget who it was exactly, but I Joe remember. Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. He, he came out earlier than I was anticipating him coming out because, you know, in a league as small as ours, quarterback is not necessarily the, the spot that people need a player, right? Uh, so. I was just surprised to see him come out as early as he did. Uh, but other than that, I mean, there were a couple of picks here and there. Like I've already mentioned, Keyshawn Vaughn came out early uh, and, and Burrow came out early. But I wasn't really 
the the thing I was the most surprised about was just the amount of movement and wheeling and dealing that came out in the later rounds of that draft. Just to round out our conversation on this, you went 505. Uh, you picked up Tyler Johnson, uh, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, that touchdown threat for, um, in particular, Tom Brady. And then DJ Dallas, kind of your flyer pick there at the end of the draft at 507. Um, this, is my, this is your chance to uh, pick a bone with me if you want to. Uh, I, my draft grade for you was a B plus. Uh, that puts you in higher tier than others. Um, and I thought, all in all, it was hard to grade your draft, looking at your roster with your All as it was, yeah. yeah. Because it was really one pick and then two mm -hmm. flyers. Uh, but I thought, I thought all, all in all, Jonathan Taylor rounded out your roster nicely. I thought your sacrifice of Lev Bell, I mean, I agree with you. I'm not super duper high on Lev, but just getting rid of a player with proven status was a gutsy call. And it really did. It set the tone for the night for what a trade into the rookie draft is going to look like. You set the premium pretty high. Yeah. And, you know, going back to that trade, uh, I felt like running back was perhaps the one position where I could afford to take some risks. Yeah. I've got Melvin Kamara. I've got Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I've got, you know, Philip Lindsay. So I had some depth there at the running back position, even before I traded Le'Veon. And I felt like, you know, he was the one that really didn't pull his weight last season. Mm, yeah. Uh, so there was one that was going to get traded. He was the one that I was the most comfortable trading. I feel like, you know, the others are especially – Kamara and Elliot will have better years this year than they did last year. Uh, so it was sort of a, a play toward the future. You know, Le'Veon's starting to get a little bit older. So, what, um, what are your thoughts on your roster as a whole? Now that you have kind of a team set up going into the, the, uh, the season, what are your thoughts on your expectations? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I feel like we'll probably be – a middling to high middling team this year. Uh, I'm solid at quarterback. I feel good about Drew Brees. I feel good about Russell Wilson, especially. Uh, as long as Russell Wilson is there in, in Seattle, I feel pretty good that I'll have, you know, a top 10 quarterback just about every year, which allows me to compete at that position. Running back, really solid. You know, Kamara, Elliott, Taylor, Lindsey, uh, Ronald Jones. I've, you know, I've got depth there. Uh, so I feel like we'll be consistent at the running back and quarterback spot. I feel like I addressed an issue at tight end and picking up Zach Ertz, if he can stay healthy. Uh, him and Hunter Henry are, are going to be good together, um, you know, just kind of play the matchups there. The one spot that, you know, I, my, I feel like I've got a glaring weakness would be wide receiver, uh, particularly after the trades just before the draft. I got rid of A.J. Green. I got rid of Amari Cooper against my, my better judgment. Um, I think I'm okay with the way that that, that wound up working out. But, um, you know, there, there are a couple of wide receivers that I feel pretty good about. Uh, Kenny Galladay is the, is the name that sticks out in my mind up there in, in Detroit. I feel like he'll have a pretty good season. But uh, I feel like inconsistency at wide receiver is probably going to be what ends up costing me some games because there are – there are plenty of good quarterbacks that other teams have. There are plenty of good running backs that other teams have. But there's also some really, really good receivers out there that I don't think that I can compete with this year. So uh, I feel, you know, middling to high middling. I feel like I'll do okay. But uh, I don't think we're going to win it all this year.
Who do you think, uh, looking at uh, the, our league as a whole, who is your championship favorite? If you had to right now say, gun to your head, who's winning any given Sunday in 2020? Who is it? Well, didn't Cam win it last year? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's hard to, to bet against him because he didn't lose a whole lot in the offseason. Uh, and he did pick up some some good players through through trade and drafting. So, you know, the the defending champ, especially if the roster hasn't changed that much, uh, it's hard to pick against him. But I also really like Nick's roster. Uh, Nick's got a good roster going for him, and I I actually really like Justin Justin's roster too. Are uh, we talking Justin Rogers Rod- or Justin Campbell? Yeah, yeah, Doctor J. Doctor um, J. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like his roster. It just blew me away. I was looking through at some of the pieces that he had, and I was thinking, how did he get the number one pick in the draft? Um, but the way his roster is shaped up, I feel like he could he could make a run. So it's probably between those three. I think of the three rosters, I probably like Nick's the best. But, uh, you know, Cam and Justin are, are hot on his heels. There was, a, there was a huge blockbuster trade earlier today that broke. Um, when you guys are listening to this, it's been a couple days now. Dad and I did a lot of uh, switching and posturing, basically just switching uh, very similar pieces back to back. But this offseason, I would like to say that that huge trade was the biggest, but it really hasn't been. Uh, Nick, is, in particular, has been hard uh, working trades almost every day. It feels like he's he's going through a trade process, and I think he's added a bunch of big pieces here on my board. I have him uh, going second in the regular season by record, and then one. I think he, I have him winning it all at the end of this yeah, year. And I have I have yeah. Doctor Rogers actually. When I was uh, processing through, I was looking week to week, doing my uh, my season rankings. And uh, there's a couple weeks, week six, week eight, according to, to my chart here, in which he's going to be the leading scorer. And then moving on, I have, him, I have him rolling all the way into the championship game from the first overall draft pick to the championship. So uh, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, I'll be posting my season rankings as we get closer. Uh, I want to have time to adjust for injuries that may come up. Last uh, couple things I want to pitch here as we uh, kind of wrap up here is if you had to give me your three players that you think are going to uh, be underrated going into 2020, three players that are underrated, who are they to you? Well, I've got, I've got, I think you'll like these. I've got two Cardinals and a Houston Texan. Um, so the, the first one that comes to my mind is uh, Kenyon Drake. I thought he looked really good at the end of last season, you know, starting to get, get into the groove with that offense, uh, the Kingsbury offense. And um, you've got the progression of Kyler Murray, uh, who wound up being a lot better than I gave him credit for. You know, kudos to Kyler. I uh, did not think he was going to make the cut. And, and he's been pretty good, particularly in a division that has been that competitive. You know, the NFC West has been competitive for a long time, Seattle. You've got, um, well, they're not St. Louis anymore, but L.A. So good teams out there in the West. You've got his progression. I think their line is probably going to be better than it was last year. Uh, They got rid of David Johnson, which is probably the biggest deal for Kenyon because, you know, he's going to step into that that featured back role. And we know from, from his time in the NFL so far that he can catch out of the backfield just as effectively as he can run out of the backfield. So 
Kenyon Drake, uh, as in, you know, DeAndre Hopkins also showing up, pressures the defense into accounting for him, which leaves some space underneath for him to do those satellite scat back kind of deals. So I feel like Kenyon Drake is flying under the radar. I feel like Brandon Cooks is flying under the radar. You know, last season I feel like was kind of an anomaly for him. Uh, the injury bug is my biggest concern with him. If these concussions start mounting, uh, obviously that's going to impact his his performance. But somebody's got to step into the the void left by DeAndre Hopkins' departure, and I feel like Brandon Cooks probably has the best chance of doing that. Uh, I feel like he suits Deshaun Watson's play style pretty well. You know, he got that speed demon demon that can stretch the field. Uh, and he can run every route in the book. So I feel like he'll fit in better than people are giving him credit for there. And then my last one is Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, and this one, yeah, I, I know. This one's probably my my longest shot. But um, I feel like, can you remember at any point in his career him playing with another receiver like DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, it's been since, what, Anquan Bolden back in the early 2000s? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been yeah. a and, while. and even at his age, last season, he led his team in receptions with 75. Um, and I feel like that number just goes up with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins because you can't, up to this point, even at his age, you were throwing your best defender at him, you know, your best corner. You were, if you were going to double somebody, you were doubling him. Uh, and defenses aren't going to have that luxury this year. He's already got an established rapport with Kyler Murray. Um, and I feel like that is going to turn him into a pretty viable flex option for a lot of teams this year. So he would be my, my third underrater. And then who would you be your uh, three overrated players? If you had to give your list of the three most overrated players moving into 2020. So I would say Dalvin Cook is at, at my one and – this basically just comes down to injury problems. He's had, what, two years in the league now, uh, and he's yet to play. Or is this his third, his third season? Who? Dalvin Cook. This is his third. Uh, basically second, because his first year was so marred with injuries. <clears throat> yeah, and he's yet to play a full season in the NFL. Uh, and that – that just kind of raises my eyebrow. He, he was a beast, especially in the early half of last season. Uh, but those numbers tapered off pretty precipitously towards the end of the season. And uh, I feel like his value probably uh, is – he's, he's probably a little overvalued right now just, just based on that. You know, the, the injury thing always raised my eyebrows out. Number two, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this, but it's for a lot of the same reasons, even though it's kind of unfounded right now. But Lamar Jackson uh, is my number two guy that's, that's overvalued. But this is really in the scope of it being a dynasty-style league. You know, when you've got to look – when you're not just playing to win this season, but you're looking into the future, uh, his play style lends itself to injury. Uh, you know, all of that running out of the backfield, you know, event, it just takes one bad hit, one bad slip. Uh, you don't get your footing right. Somebody blows a block. There's just so many things that can go wrong with that. And I feel like, you know, it may not happen this year, but in the near future, something's going to happen to hamper his legs. 
and uh, his ability to win a game and post big numbers just on the strength of his arm, uh, I feel like that is very much in question. So Lamar Jackson would be my my two guy. And then uh, coming in at number three, I've got Devin Singletary out in Buffalo. Uh, did you know this was, you know, when I was researching this, did you know that nine of Buffalo's 13 rushing touchdowns were from Josh Allen last year? <laughs> you know, they only had 13, and Josh Allen was nine of them. Uh, Josh Allen also had more red zone carries and more goal line carries than Devin Singletary. And even with the departure of Frank Gore, you would think that uh, that his value would sort of go up. You know, there's one less back to share the load. But then they turned around and they drafted, what is his name, Zach Moss? Yep. I think yep. is the young back that they drafted. And red zone carries and, you know, being the bull down there in the China shop, that is what Zach Moss did in college. That's sort of his MO is being that battering ram. So uh, I feel like that probably pretty negatively impacts Singletary's value uh, between the twenties, you know, he, he might be the featured back. He might see, he might get a lot of yards, but uh, in a league where your running back points come from touchdowns, uh, I feel like he's probably a little bit overvalued. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you say that my dad has had a man crush on Zach Moss. Uh, he, uh, he has loved that, that prospect uh, Buffalo's uh, running game really does go through Josh Allen in particular in the touchdown numbers, like you mentioned, uh, but one thing that also fascinates me is in red zone targets, Dingle, Devin Singletary wasn't even their second go-to running back. Josh Allen was. It was Frank Gore and then Josh Allen. With the addition of Zach Moss, I think he still loses that. He may take a step forward in his efficiency, but I'm not so sure the volume is going to be there for him, especially with this up-and-coming rookie. Um, and I, I'm just not so convinced. Um, I think those are, that's a solid list, man. I really do. Uh, week one, your matchup is against uh, Jay Riggedy. Uh, it's Dr. Jay. Uh, I have you winning a squeaker by 3.5 points. Um, I do. I do have you winning. I think uh, right now, as his roster stands, uh, I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a viable play week one. I think he's going to really catch fire midway through the season. Uh, I'll be honest. You were talking about your wide receivers. You have some solid wide receivers uh, set, but your running backs are terrifying. I mean, whenever you can pitch Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott as your one-two punch and still have the, the depth at the position, uh, I'm looking here at your flex. You have it flex two, Philip Lindsay, and Jonathan Taylor on the bench, Ronald Jones on the bench. I think a lot of these guys are going to have viable flex play throughout the season. So good luck to you uh, and good luck for uh, your upcoming season. I hope that you perform higher than your middling expectation. <laughs> well, I hope so too. Yeah. 